Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Welcome to Splinters, your regular Tuesday night wrap of sport on Triple H 100.1 FM, on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and via podcast at podcasts.com. That's right, plural, podcasts.com. Time to have a look at Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Finals Day at the Sydney Cricket Ground. My name is Tony Dawson, and for the next hour, we're going to run through the best bits and the best interviews of what was a tremendous day of cricket at the SCG. Grassroots cricket at its best just 48 hours ago or 72 hours ago, whenever you're listening to this, maybe 96 hours ago. Four teams came to the Sydney Cricket Ground with high hopes of making the grand final under lights. Only two teams made that grand final and one team came away a winner. Over the next hour, we're going to go through the best of, starting with the Sydney Sixers Conference Final where it was the Battle of the Tom Uglies Bridge when the St George Dragons took on the Sutherland Sharks. Thanks, Tony. Here at the Sydney Cricket Ground with Shane Evans. My name is Keith Topolsky. Going through the first semi-final in the Sydney Sixers Conference between St George and Sutherland. Shane Evans, St George ended up losing the toss. Sutherland sent them in and it didn't go all to plan for the Saints. No, it did in Keith St George getting 8 for 112 off their 20 overs. Basically, the call of the card. Bardia was 14, 11 off 14. Stapleton, 14 off 17. Curtis Patterson was their best batter, 26 off 19. Rose was next best with 24 off 31. And then surprisingly, coming in at batting at 11 in Tom Ortiz, getting 10 not out off 5. There wasn't a real lot else to talk about. Then you get into the bowling for Sutherland. The wicket takers, Tommy Doyle, 4 overs, 1 for 23. Dan Fallon's 2 for 16 off his 4. Stephen Smith 2 for 17 off his 4 including a maiden. And Dan Rickson getting 2 for 12 off his 3. And then in reply, the Sutherland side ended up doing it fairly easily, chasing it 4 down. The guys out, Peter Sarukas out from a direct hit off Watley 11 off 9. Viviano being caught by Waitley off Tommy Ortiz, 11 off 8. Steve Smith remained 42 not out of 44 with 1 4 and 1 6. Brown getting 20 off 21. Austin War a short cameo, 2 off 7 after being bowled by a pearl by Francis. And Tom Doyle was the other batsman remaining not out, 25 off 19. The best of the bowlers for St George, Ortiz getting 1 wicket for 21 off his 3. Francis getting 1 for 26 off his 3. Then Hartog taking 1 wicket for 6 off his two overs so that allows the Sutherland Sharks to progress to the national final to take on the winner of either Penrith or Sydney University which is coming up shortly. The conditions were certainly very trying out there. I know that there was a bit of concern about how the weather would play out and watching the game how, how did you see the game unfold in terms of the impact of the weather and the rain during the week on the outfield? Well we'll start off with just before the game actually started they actually had to put the their big air blowers onto the bowlers run-ups because they were still a little bit wet. The deck looks great. It's moving moving around a bit for this first game, but I don't think there was actually any issue regards to the, the outfield itself. The ball was running. Normally, sometimes if you get a bit of weather and it's wet, the ball will stop early, but it just kept running through really well towards the boundary. Run-ups will dry up, obviously, during the day. The pitch will get harder. It will get flatter, but if I was Stephen Smith, I would have wanted to bowl first as well and try and limit the amount of runs, which they did, and then cashed in later on. So they can now go and enjoy a couple-hour break some of them will hang around and watch this game between Penrith and Sydney Uni. 
and then come back at 6.30 to try and win the big $15,000 prize from Kingsgrove and make it to the finals to go down to South Australia and Adelaide back in March next year. You weren't the only one taking note of the way the conditions were going to play out. I had a chance to sit down with Sutherland coach Steve Rickson uh, during the innings break as Sutherland uh, headed back to the rooms to prepare to go out into the centre to face the St George attack. And this is what he had to say about the condition of the outfield. Yeah, it's obviously, we've had a lot of rain, but uh, this is one of the best drying grounds in, in world cricket, so I had no, no query, it's, it'll get across the ground, but it's more, SCG's a bigger ground, it's, it's more about more about taking your ones and twos and look for that, the threes, there's only th- four or five boundaries for the whole day, and two, two or three of that were sixes, so it's not a ground where you're going to bang it through the field for fun, it's going to be a ground where you're going to get um, a lot of, uh, lot of guys with aggressive running, running between the wickets. So, Shane, it really did work out that uh, going through the way the game unfolded, St George, they, they really struggled to get some momentum going early, but then Curtis Patterson rolled up to the crease and he really did start to cut loose after a while and really start to build some momentum until he was out to an outstanding catch in the deep. Certainly was, but you have to remember Curtis Patterson is also a current New South Wales, Sheffield Shield and Futures League player. He is a class above most of the players in the Premier Cricket competition of well apart from Steve Smith obviously but yeah he was just seeing him so well but it took a really really awesome catch for him to be dismissed so Dan Fallon's here to bowl his fourth and final over from the Paddington end and it's on leg stump it's up in the air what a catch oh what a catch what an absolute river catch a deep fine leg Austin Moore I think that is we'll find out in a second but he's leaped it was almost Superman like in the air, Curtis Patterson has to make way, but what an absolute blinder, a deep fine leg, he was off the ground, he was absolutely parallel, the ball's on leg stump, he's played the big sweep, we're watching it on replay, and he's flown through the air, Austin Wall, what a catch boys, much needed wicket as St George was starting to get a roll on, and Austin Wall has delivered for Sutherland. So Mizzy getting a little bit excited about that catch in the outfield uh, to dismiss Curtis Patterson. And really from there, Shane, it was all downhill for the Dragons, unfortunately. Yeah, it's good to hear Mizzy actually let the vocal cords come out, do the old Daryl Eastman. and East getting, Lake. East Lake, sorry. Getting nice and loud and starting to strain the vocal cords. But it just fell apart after that for St George. And commiserations to them, congratulations to Sutherland. And good luck to the Sharks in the final. And that would have been a very disappointing outcome for St George, seeing Curtis Patterson out in the deep, unfortunately, to what was an absolutely sens- sensational catch, no doubt, because St George coach Dean Gilchrist, during the first innings, again sat down with me, and he had visions of really going on and making quite a score, getting out towards the 130-140 mark. No, we, we sort of feel that it's total we're looking at, ideally, is around 140-150. We're a bit behind on that. Um, I think we need to be up in run rates around about the high eights, pushing nines at the present time to be competitive. Uh, the, the weather at the moment is um, going very conducive to a good cricket day, but the delay in sorting out side screens has been a bit frustrating. That broke our momentum. That was a good 40 minutes, 50 minutes of mucking around. We just started to get some good momentum through that fourth and fifth over, and then suddenly we stood, stood on the side watching um, people try and remove cream cloth from the ends of the field. I know it's just a circumstance we couldn't get around, but it broke our momentum a bit and gave them back, brought them back into the game. So I think going forward, yeah, to be competitive on this ground, we need at least 140. So we've got, what, seven or eight overs, eight overs remaining. We're going to really have to put a bit of a hammer down to make sure that we don't have too many dots. 
So St George not getting anywhere near that preferred target, unfortunately, Shane. And really, that that did set Sutherland up for a chase that really was within their grasp. But Steve Rickson wasn't taking anything for granted. When I sat down with him during the innings break again, he said that it didn't matter what the score was. It was just about making sure that the batsmen were focused on the chase, whether it was 1, 100 or 1,000. It was 150, 125 or 100. Didn't make any difference. We got to, we got to chase whatever it is and we've got to do it in the way we know we know best and uh, we'll do that and uh, I look forward to seeing the result of it. So Steve Rickson had to be pleased, Shane, with that chase in the end. As he said, it didn't matter what the score was. It was really about just making sure that the chase was completed regardless of, as as he said, regardless of what the score was and they, they did it fairly well in the end with quite a bit of time to spare. They certainly did and you have to remember Steve Rickson's also been a New South Wales coach. He's been higher up than that in the Cricket Australia setup, so he knows how to get his players to chase a small total, but to do it safely but quickly so they can maximise the amount of time that they can have before they have to come back here for the final. So one very intelligent person. I'd love to be able to sit there and bend my ear with bend his ear for half an hour, just in general coaching terms. Of course, Steve Rickson isn't the only ex-international in the setup for Sutherland. They did have Shane Watson, but he was missing with injury. But as Steve Rickson did say, when you are missing Shane Watson, it's a very difficult situation to find yourself in until you realise that you've got the luxury of calling up the former Test captain. Most definitely. Well, I mean, as I've said from start one, whoever whoever we have in the side is going to be good enough to do the job. So, uh, you know, we've got a squad of 15 for the whole series uh, all the way through the T20. So I think, um, you know, as I said, if it's Peter Sarukos or Shane Watson, we'll, we've got a job to do and their roles are very similar. So Sutherland go on. They are going to meet the winner of the Thunder Conference final between the Penrith Panthers and Sydney University. And Shane, going through the Sutherland scorecard, it it really was a case of everybody really did get on with the job, apart from the man who ended up being the high scorer. He he was probably the slowest going of the batsmen, really taking advantage of everybody else around him having a swing, uh, with the exception of Austin Waugh, who bailed out for two off seven. Yeah, well, you've got to remember... In this side, normally it would be Watson if Smith was there, like we saw earlier in the year when they had the games down at Manly. Watson was the one that was going along a little bit, a little bit. Then Smith would just come out, pick the right ball, and just literally belt it out of Manly Oval. But so he's decided to become the wall, let everyone else run around him and have their shots and have their go. And he just slightly built that title up, which is really good for him. Good to see. And now we can progress. Here's Dan Rickson bowling his dibbly dobblers. From this uh, Paddington Eddie Bowles, and this is driving in the air. Man coming around from long off, takes the catch. An easy one, straight down the throat. Easy as you like for Tom Doyle at long off. Another St George wicket goes, and it's the key wicket, the key wicket of, jo- of John O'Rose, who's holed out off the bowling of Dan Rickson at long off. And Dan Rickson's Gavin Larson style Dibley Dobblers has got two for four. And St George further into the mire on the Magpies Waitara scoreboard. Six for 90 now in this, the 17th. The Sharks are about to book their tickets on the plane to Adelaide. Here's Ortiz bowling to Doyle, who drives through the covers before. And with style, Tom Doyle, who played great lieutenant to Stephen Smith, finishes the match off with two overs to spare. And the Sutherland Sharks are through to the Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Grand Final at the Sydney Cricket Ground tonight. They have won the battle of the Tom Ugly's Bridge against Big Brother from over the other side of the Georges River and won handsomely by six wickets 
at four for 116 of the last ball of the 18th over. Tom Doyle finishes 25 not out off 19, and Steve Smith 42 not out off 44 balls faced. And that was everything from the first match, the conference final in the Sydney Sixers side of the Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup draw for 2018-19. We move on to the Sydney Thunder in the conference final between the Penrith Panthers and the Sydney University students. Shane Evans has vacated the studio and in his place, we welcome back the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. And Anthony, it was all set for a cracking match between the students and the Panthers. It was supposed to come down to the last over, the last couple of deliveries, but didn't quite get there in the end. No, it didn't. And full credit to Sydney University after the hole that was dug for them early on came back with a vengeance. And it shows the power of building partnerships in this in this um, competition. Nick Walker, the star of the show, an unbeaten 50 off 47 deliveries was the linchpin for Sydney University getting over the line with two overs to spare. So take us through the scorecard. Uh, at the top of the innings and exactly how far out in front Penrith were able to get or not necessarily out in front but where they were able to get to in terms of setting a total. Well, it was a horrible start for Penrith. They were two for four uh, almost immediately with Di Bartolo and and Brent Williams out in the first two overs. Di Bartolo out caught by Joy off the bowling of Kershaw and then Joy returning the favour having um, Brent Williams sneaking off to Tim Cummins. From there, the rebuild started. Ryan Gibson batted well along with Weir. Gibson was eventually stumped by Cummins off the bowling of um, Devlin Malone for 33. Weir was LBW off Malone for for 23 and from there it was always just a steady stream of wickets that fell that prevented Penrith from really going on with it. Lydiard and Atherton getting some runs but uh, apart from that there was no real momentum that carried on from there and Penrith ended up with a total of 9 for uh, 126 off their 20 overs. Pick of the bowlers really was Devlin Malone with his um, spinners uh, 3 for 18 off his 4 overs. Well supported by the skipper, Liam Robertson, who took two for 15 off his four. But after the start that Penrith managed to rebuild following the loss of Di Bartolo and Williams early on, 126 probably wasn't quite going to be enough, especially considering that when they lost their third wicket being Ryan Gibson, they'd actually worked their way back to being 62 for the loss of three. Well, in the uh, Penrith scorecard, there was a catch for Tim Cummins. There were three stumpings for Tim Cummins. The former Penrith Panther now applying his trade with University, and I caught up with Tim Cummins to find out exactly what had been said on either side of the fence in in uh, the lead-up to this rivalry match during the week. Uh, no, nothing really. I think I had a bit more dirt on them. I think they know my game pretty well. So, uh, yeah, no, I was, uh, no, nothing nothing too much, just a few texts during the week, and then uh, and then when seeing, we'll, we'll, feel, we'll uh, pretty much uh, just warm me up next to them as well, so it's quite a bit funny. <laughs> So it was a bit of uh, back and forth, a bit of text messaging, but uh, nothing really there uh, for Tim Cummins to get too fired up about, I suppose. But Anthony, uh, in, in terms of what the Panthers were able to produce with bat in hand, it really was going to be very much a case of let's look to the leadership of 
the most senior player in the team, if you like, in terms of where he's going with his T20 career. And that was Ryan Gibson and the Sydney Thunder. Man, he got away to a start, but he couldn't go on with it. Yeah, he sort of got stuck after a while. He'd sort of rebuilt the innings, but it's some clever bowling from Devlin Malone, who, you know, once again, we're seeing the strength of slower bowling on the S- on that SCG pitch, and Ryan Gibson was forced to um, push the envelope along and ended up having um, his bowels whipped off by uh, by, t- by Tim Cummins. And you mentioned before, three stumpings, an absolutely brilliant outing for the uh, the former Penrith wicketkeeper. Yes, and I had a chat- chance to chat with uh, Ryan Gibson uh, after he was dismissed uh, by Malone, stumped by Cummins, and ask him about his thoughts on the condition of the playing surface, both in the pitch surface and in the outfield. Oh yeah, definitely with the weather we've had, um, uh, we weren't expecting a real flat, hard, quick wicket, um, and we knew the outfield was probably going to be a bit slow anyway, uh, so we, it's crucial to get our running between the wickets right, um, make sure our boundary riders when we're fielding are in off, so we can cut off the twos, so um, yeah, it's going to be a big, big ask for the back end, and hopefully these two can bat really take it deep and hopefully set about 130 hopefully so it wasn't exactly easy going for ryan gibson uh whether he was able to get onto the ball and really hit it to all corners of the ground because it was sitting down quite a bit and that really did produce uh some difficulty for ryan gibson but uh, his dismissal came just in the nick of time and sydney university coach cameron borgus was very very pleased to see the back of ryan gibson yeah, it was an important wicket, that one. He, he played really well after losing a few early wickets. Um, you know, they, they recovered really well and played some nice shots in the power play. So he played well, but, you know, good to get him out and hopefully we can jag another one or two here just to really stem the flow. You, you now had, Anthony, the opportunity for Penrith to go out there and really stick it to the Sydney University with ball in hand, but the students, that they really stood up when they had the chance to go out there and knock the ball around. Not completely, Keith, because in the first over, it was two for two. And the second over, it was two for two. And both of those overs resulted in maidens. Penrith got off to the dream start, probably even better than how Sydney University started off. Hayden Kerr, who's been much talked about, he was caught by Weir off the bowling of Withers off the first rock of the innings. And then four balls, three balls later, Nicky Craze looking to go the big heave-ho and ended up holding out to Hodges off the bowling of Withers for a third ball duck. And after two overs with Withers and Williams both recording maidens, it was two for two. But from that moment on, the, the star power of the bat really started to shine through for Sydney University uh, with the likes of Nick Walker, Nick Larkin and Liam Robertson. Well, unfortunately... For Penrith, they weren't able to chase down the Sydney University target. Collins took one, Withers took one, Smith took one. Unfortunately, someone that we had high hopes for getting on the uh, score sheet in terms of taking wickets was one of our fans of the bench and the Splinters podcast in particular, Luke Hodges. And I caught up with Luke after he was unfortunately run out uh, during the Penrith innings, and I asked him the big question. Luke... We noticed that you've been liking a lot of the posts that we've been putting up on the bench Facebook page and you're a little bit of a fan, so just wondering who's your favourite member of the bench and why am I? 
Oh, mate, I'm not too sure to be honest. I just see him post up on Facebook, so I decided to like the page and, you know, post a few good things up there that we can watch as well. And, of course, when you ask him such an important question, and I love your answer, Luke, and I appreciate being the favourite member of, of the bench from your perspective, but obviously when you ask his opinion of who's his favourite member of the bench, you've obviously got to ask him the other question on the other end. Who's your least favourite member of the bench team and why is Measy? Uh, I don't really know him, so that's probably why. Yeah, it might have been a slightly leading question there, but we all know that Mizzy and I don't exactly get along, so I wasn't too disappointed <laughs> that Luke was prepared to agree with me and uh, agree that Mizzy is possibly his least favourite member of the bench. But uh, have you got a, have you got a Magpies jersey heading his way now? Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll probably put the check in the mail to him. But uh, yeah, it, it, it is great, Anthony, to have the players actually following what we're putting out there on social media in, in terms of the content and making sure that the players take an interest in our material as well. Absolutely, and we're starting to see the uh, we're starting to see that share coming along. And um, we had the uh, the pleasure of having the New South Wales Under 19s wicket keeper Aidan Barry, although he didn't have time for an interview with us. Uh, came along to say hello and have a look. And, you know, with that exposure we're getting, it's all it's going to do is get the players immersed into the into the culture of being able to promote their own sport. And that's only going to better the uh, coverage of what is Australia's best development competition for state cricket. Absolutely. There's no question about that. And in, in terms of the, the development of the game, uh, I also spoke with... Uh, Ryan Gibson about his thoughts on exactly how uh, the Kingsgrove Sports T20 competition allows for a warm-up for the players going off to play in the Big Bash. Yeah, yeah, it's a good warm-up, so good to get out here, especially at the SCG to play here is uh, awesome experience when we we got to play the Sixers out here. Um, so it's a really good warm-up, good competition, so yeah, glad to be in it. Well, he kept it short and sweet, Anthony, not really offering too much. Obviously, his focus was still on the game and uh, wanting to make sure that Penrith could get the results rather than getting ahead of himself and worrying about the thunder. But really, th this competition really does offer an opportunity for players to ply their wares and really advertise themselves, if not for this year's Big Bash League, then certainly next year's now that the Big Bash League have put all their contracts away, but certainly leaving an impression in the minds of the the state team officials really looking forward to next year. Well, let's take into consideration one of the players who really had a breakthrough year in the in the Big Bash last year and has now uh, become quite hot property, and it's um, young Daniel Sams from uh, Randwick-Petersham, who was plying his trade in the Kingsgrove T20, had success with bat and ball. The Sixers picked him up. He had a breakthrough year last year, and he's now on a full time contract with the Sydney Thunder um, you know, we're going to see players like this continue to make their way through and it's only going to continue to nurture that pathway from the park through grey cricket into the into the big bash all donations please, here comes Withers with a slip in, almost at second slip bowls to Nicky Craze, Craze drives in the air, this will be out, caught it bit off, second wicket at the over what a start, easy catch Luke Hodges down at mid off had all the time in the world and Nick Larkin's going to have to come in now whether he likes it or not Nicky Craze tried to drive Chris Withers on the up and he spooned it up to mid off what a start in this run chase Penrith were two for four but Sydney University are two for none after four balls at the first over well that's a bit of a tease there one delivery left here from the Hodges over 15 off it already what can Robinson do again and again? He cuts it away and again it's four. He's got a past point. 
19 runs off the over. The Hodge is over. Much needed runs here. Now runs to win 46 off 48. So after 12 overs here on the Magpies Waitara scoreboard, 3 for 81. Walker 19 off 27. Robinson 24 off 8. It's fitting that Nick Walker is there to hit the winning runs. Having seen the journey through for the students after trying to work through the carnage of the first over when they were two for none and in all sorts of trouble. Six men on the offside now. Deep gully, point, extra cover, cover mid-off. There's a mid-wicket, a mid-on, two men out of deep fine leg and a deep mid-wicket. Two to win. Here comes Smith Bowles, and it's driven away by Walker for the winning runs. 50. Back with a point. He brings up his 50 as well. A, a punched fist to the air towards the student supporters who are on their feet in the members' stand. And Sydney University are through to play Sutherland in tonight's grand final. They have won, as Sutherland did, by six wickets, chasing down a total. They finished at four for 129, and Nick Walker, 59 out of 47 balls. Their students, supporters are loving it. You can hear the effects, Mike, in the background. Well, we started back in October with 24 teams in this 2018-19 Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup competition. They became eight teams last weekend. That was whittled down to four. And now we're down to the final two. They've got their two tickets to Adelaide for the National T20 Cup in March. But now it's down to business for the big prize. Only Sutherland, spearheaded by Steve Smith and Sydney University, led by the younger Cummins brother Tim and New South Wales Sheffield Shield batsman Nick Larkin remain. So who took the chocolates and got the $12,000 winner's check and the $6,000 runner-up check? Matt Mears and the Lord Mayor Keith Topolsky will run you through all the action, reaction, thoughts and opinions of those who matter next. Welcome back to Splinters. Oh, jeez, there's another one. The Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and on podcast whenever you like at podcasts.com. That's podcasts, plural, with an S, dot com. Make sure you register as a subscriber so you can get the inside notice on Splinters before everybody else at 8 o'clock every Tuesday night. Now, though, time to introduce our odd couple. Where's the music? The Lord Mayor of Leichhardt, Keith Topolsky, and the number one cricket analyst on non-commercial community radio, the CMAT Mears, for the grand final of the 2018-19 Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup between the Sutherland Sharks and the Sydney University students. Yes, thank you, Tony. And it is a big welcome back from the break. And it is now time to get into the main events, the main course, the game that everybody came here today to see. It is the wrap-up of the Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Grand Final between the Sutherland Sharks and the Sydney University students. And when Tony talks about bringing the big guns, we bring in the biggest. You've got the Lord Mayor and the number one cricket analyst in non-commercial radio. It's been a long day, Matt Mears, but you look ready to dish up just a little bit more content. Well, it's 10.30 at night as we record this. I've ball by ball called 60 overs today, but if there's anything I could do after doing that of being on air for 12 hours, it's record the Splinters podcast. It sounded brilliant so far. I've been able to hear little bits and pieces as we've been going through the day. I'm so excited to do this final because it was a great game. It's been a great day all up, and uh, let's get started, Keith. Let, let's just have a very quick run through the teams as they lined up for the final, and before 
before you actually saw what unfolded, what struck you about the teams and who did you think had the upper hand looking at the lineups before things unfolded? Well, they both had similar yet different trips into the finals. Yes, they both won by six wickets to make this grand final under lights, but it was the way they went about it was different. The Sutherland Sharks, they had their triplet trio, as you probably heard me call during the broadcast, of spinners in Doyle, Fallons and Steve Smith, where there was a lot of medium paces for the students that got them across the line. It was that their big proponent was their spinner in Malone, who did the damage against Penrith. So it was going to come down to the slow bowlers again in this game under lights, but I thought that Sutherland just had that advantage with having the three spinners versus just the one recognised spinner for the students. Well, before we get to that, you did give it a mention during the broadcast, and I know that everybody that heard it in the broadcast is hanging out for this, and everybody (laughs) that's seen our social media posts has been aching for this as well. They don't call me the Lord Mayor for nothing. Normally, it would just be the Mayor, but we get the big names on the bench and on splinters, and when it comes to Australian cricket, there's not too many bigger than Stephen Waugh. I did mention the broadcast, you did get Austin's dad, and to be fair, you did, but it's a big get, and we know we have our banter on the show, and it'll continue, and it always will, but this is a big get. He's not one to do many interviews, and he probably says it during the interview, that he's not a big one for interviews, so to be able to get this one, and to be able to showcase him on splinters, that's just showing the great work that you're doing here. So, without further ado, let's get it started. What's probably the stronger emotion today, reliving old memories, or proud dad moment? Oh, a bit of both, mate. SCG is a great place to come, you know. It's um, always nice to come out here and watch a game and to see Sutherland in the final and Austin playing. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a thrill as well. Austin making the move to Sutherland to try and make his own name. Is it something that you were proud to see him stretch, stretch out and lash out on his own or is there just something there that would, would have preferred him to stay with your old club? Well, he lives in Sutherland. That's where we live. So that's, that's his club. I mean, I lived in Bankstown. That's why I play for Bankstown. All his mates are in Sutherland. He's grown up playing through, through the ages. So it's a natural progression to play for Sutherland. So happy to see him playing wherever he's enjoying it. What sort of prestige do you think the return of players like Smith and Warner brings to a competition like this? Oh, look, for sure, even today, you know, Steve Smith playing out there, you see what he's, you know, the intensity with which he's played the two games there, which is great to watch. A lot of people are going to learn from that. So, yeah, well, they've brought the great career. It's been fantastic. It's been needed for a long time and um, gives recognition to grassroots. Then That makes Australia strong. If we're good at great cricket, we're generally good at state cricket, and then we're generally good at, with the national side. Is there any part of you that wishes you got to play in a T20 uh, competition and format? Of course, I would love to have played. It's, it's exciting, it's fun. The guys can express themselves in different ways. Um, you know, it's pretty intense for a short period of time, but um, you know, there's, um, if, you, if you're skillful at the game, you can do well. What are your thoughts on the standard of the games throughout today? Is it what you've uh, expected or has it exceeded expectations? Oh, I've been watching a bit of great career the last couple of years. The standard's excellent. And today, you know, the, especially the fielding and catching's been very good. Um, good hitting. The bowlers have been uh, probably dominating so far. And uh, seeing the final 123 to win, you know, Sutherland should get those. But the way the day's been going, uh, nothing's guaranteed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to Steve War for going out of his way. It was really great to get him on a day when he was watching his son play in a final at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And as was mentioned before that interview was recorded, and as you mentioned, he doesn't normally give very many interviews. And the fact that Steve War is supporting grassroots cricket by offering that sort of content to media outlets that cover the game at the community level rather than just the elite level, we really have to thank him for that. Absolutely. 
and to get that sort of coverage for us it's just showing that there's the the appetite out there and it's good that people appreciate what we do and that's what we're trying to do is give some recognition to the guys that probably don't get that mainstream media that they deserve and uh, to get the coverage on today we've already seen some of the guys even liking the bench pace on Facebook they're uh, appreciative of it and we're appreciative of them of giving us a time and Steve or if you ever want to come back if you're out there listening mate we're more than happy to have you on the bench or on splinters regular guests we'll, we'll find a new slot you can host splinters you can host the bench I'm sure Tony <laughs> won't mind stepping aside for a former test captain but without further ado let, let's get into what we saw out there today and during the semi-finals it was trying conditions it was very muggy out there it was miserable for a man who like myself is not exactly the most felt athletic specimen around and the humidity was really tough and what what did you make of the conditions as they changed during the day with that sort of wicket that we saw it was all right for me i was i got to sit in the commentary box in the air conditioning all day but for the for the out there and on the field the wind the wind got up at different times during the day that's a big effect on both sides because it affects how the ball comes onto the bat and it affects how the ball comes off the bat as well and with the dimensions of the field having that one short boundary towards the uh barongal and the lady stand and that big boundary to the o'reilly stand it can really affect the areas that you want to target because if the wind's down you can go towards that short boundary but if it's coming across it's almost worth going for that bigger boundary to have the wind behind it and it caused a bit of havoc with the side screens as well bales coming off everywhere so to come into the final under lights they started at dusk the lights coming on the ground changes again the dew comes on there's all that sort of stuff so as much as you can take from those earlier games under the sunlight the conditions are going to change again so it's what team could adjust to those differing conditions under lights that maybe most haven't been able to have the uh, opportunity to play under not being able to play on this bigger stage before. And before we got to the innings under lights, we did have the innings in the twilight and Sydney University came out and what what struck you about the innings, the way they attacked the Sutherland bowling lineup? Well, they just wanted to get off to a good start. That's how we saw it in their Thunder Conference game against the Panthers. They wanted to get off a good start, used the power play to their advantage in that first six overs with only two players out and really just attacked from word go and they did that through Kerr who got 40 off 25 deliveries he was the one who got out there and stuck it but it did sort of go downhill from there he got his 40 in quick time but when he lost his wicket it was 2 for 50 just no one could really go with him and once he got it sorted out it was up to Nick Larkin he could only get 12 off 19 and uh, it fell away there was some big hitting at the end Tim Lay coming in down the order it it earned some cheers from the, the faithful in the members stand but to only get 122 it was going to make hard work for the bowlers trying to defend that. And that was a notable score. Nick Larkin's 12 off 19 deliveries. It really was heavy going out there and he was good enough to sit down with me to discuss the conditions out there and how they affected the scoring. Slow going with your innings. How did you find the conditions in that innings as opposed to earlier in the day? Uh, pretty similar. Maybe the ball's sliding on a little bit more now. Um, but, you know, we just kept losing wickets, so I was sort of trying to rebuild there and um, see if I couldn't wrestle us to a good total. Uh, but it's hard when you're constantly losing wickets. Once again, thank you to Nick Larkin for taking the time out to sit down with Splinters and we get the big names, we get the big players and Nick Larkin, Sheffield Shield player for New South Wales is amongst them and when you talk about uni's innings with bat in hand, you've got to talk about the way that Sutherland came back with the ball and what, stu- what stood out to you about the Sutherland bowling attack or how they really managed to tie Sydney Uni down? Well, in the in the Sixers Conference Final this morning, it was the trio of spinners in Doyle 
Doyle, Fallons and Smith that really tied them up. I think their 12 overs collectively went for less than 60 runs, which is unheard of in T20 cricket. Unfortunately, though, in the final, that third leg, Tim Doyle, he was two for 38 off his four, but he did get two wickets. It was Pinson, though, the opening bowler. He stood up in his place. Four overs, two for 12. It was a great performance there from the opening quick. But Fallon's again looking the goods. He's a Sydney Sixers contracted player who'll be looking to have some time out here on the SCG. Three for 22. And Steve Smith, one for 19, showing his experience with the ball, which uh, I think, though, look good when he's back in the uh, the yellow of Australia. Oh, absolutely. We've got the wicket of Holloway with a stumping, 18 off 19. And once again, Nick Larkin offered his opinions on facing up to the former test captain. It's, it's awesome, actually. Like, I know that the Sutherland team are getting a lot out of having Steve around this year um, and to come up against him. I think it's um, it's a thrill and it's a great challenge for all the players in, in the other clubs as well. So it's awesome. As you say, Matt, the score that was set was 122. And throughout the day, everybody we spoke to thought 130, 140, maybe even 150 might have been the pass. So to come up with 122, particularly after a couple of teams looked like they'd fall short of 100, what did you think of at the time? Was the likelihood of Uni being able to defend that sort of total? Well, that was this total we'd seen in the other two games. It was a low total, but we saw both teams chase it down. It's a lot easier when you're batting second when you know that total that you you've got to chase. You know how to pace your innings. When you're setting, you don't know what the ultimate score's going to be, so you just got to go hell for leather and try and get as many as you can. For Sutherland coming out there only needing one a ball, it's a lot easier than going out there knowing you need to score two, maybe two a ball from the outset. So it was a, a lowish total. Not quite, they weren't quite out of it, the students. We'd seen that it was still hard to chase down those low totals in the second innings, but they were going to need everything to go their way at the start if there were going to be any chance. Nick Larkin also offered me his thoughts on exactly what the best strategy was to defend that total of 122. It's going to be a low total based on what people have been saying throughout the day about 130, 140, maybe 150 for par. Is it something that you think you can defend with a couple of quick wickets or do you think it's going to have to be tying them down and preventing the run scoring? Yeah, probably the latter. Um, but we've been good at that over a number of years. It's sort of our style of cricket. We don't often make big totals, but we often defend pretty small ones. So if we can get 130 on the board, um, and obviously there's some big wickets that you've got to take in the in the Sutherland side, but um, if we can grab uh, Steve Smith early, then it's, it's massively game on. And so we come to the run chase in Sutherland. They went into bats and they decided that they had a strategy going in and it looked as though it was just to go hell for leather. And while I was down there and I caught up with Nick Larkin, I was also fortunate enough to catch up with Daniel Rickson who offered his thoughts on the best way to chase down the score. Yeah, we've been um, pretty clear on our roles for the entire campaign. So people know their roles and if they stick to that, then we'll be very close to the mark by then. It was a very good non-answer there from Daniel Rickson. <laughs> it was an excellent politician's answer, giving some thoughts, but not actually coming up with the content that you necessarily wanted. But the Sutherland innings, what did you make of it? It was a very fast start. Well, that was the game plan. I said, again, come out in those first six overs, use the field up to your advantage and try and find those outfields. And they certainly did that, the Sharks, with Biviano, 12 off five deliveries, and Sarukas, 15 off nine deliveries. As much as they didn't make big totals, they just eased that run rate pressure. It's not always that high, but just to get off to that start and show that they didn't have to get tied down. You saw Steve Smith come in at three. Didn't do the job like he had in other games, nine 
off 11, but then as you go through the rest of the innings, Tim Doyle 10 off 5, Barry Old to finish up 4 off 16. You could see, though, that attack was at the forefront of the mind, but there was two guys really, Brown with his 35 off 35 with his man of the match honours, and Austin War. it'll be underrated innings, but I think one of the pivotal innings of the game, 15 off 18 deliveries. He was the one who stayed there with Brown while they did that hard slog in the middle overs to get closer and closer to that total. And that Sutherland team, we did mention earlier Daniel Rickson, and you mentioned Austin War. I thought I had a really good question for Daniel Rickson, but he didn't give me much to work on. Do you feel any extra pressure in the team being one of uh, two players that's uh, got relation to former Test playing fathers? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he, he's, he's got someone's media manager coaching him. Yeah, we that, that, who. well, we might actually have to in that in that instance because the the innings that everybody was waiting for. What did you make of Steve Smith's innings? Well, his wasn't the media manager I was referring to, but <laughs> he, he he came out again. He he shows that he is probably a class above the the guys out there. And uh, nineteen off eleven deliveries, four fours. He he can get the ball away, but it was. A good ball by Joy there. He, Smith, he moves around the crease and um, Joy was able to get one just to leave him outside the off stump. Smith was trying to play his trademark flick off the pads, just get outside off stump, flick off the pads, but it moved well from Joy and all he could do Smith was get the outside edge through the keeper Cummins and at the end of the day he, he made his contribution but we've seen at the other times that sometimes people have to step up and it was a good opportunity for some of the youngsters for Sutherland to step up and fill that void. And Daniel Rickson was a little bit more for coming when they asked him his thoughts on the contribution that Steve Smith makes to great cricket being back there at the moment. Oh, it's a massive buzz and I think it's credit to the competition that they give amateur cricketers the opportunity to play on a ground like this and in the company of blokes like Steve Smith, so it's great fun. So Sutherland going on with it in the end, taking out the 2018 Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup, convincingly in the end, 38 balls to spare, five wickets in hand, and our very own Anthony Caruso immediately after the game caught up with Aidan Barriol. That's it, just had to, just had to dig in. He said I was talking about that was the game when they got us out, so just digging up. A few runs, like over, so it was... The challenge really becomes, even with the trying to manage that that run chase all the way through and I think after, it felt like after a while the, the, the penny finally dropped with Sutherland you weren't finding that you were having to chase the runs nearly as much once you were getting the runs early in the over. Yeah, for sure. That makes it so much easier. Obviously, then you can take your time the rest of it, just try and get your single. We had a really good start, obviously, with the, the boys at the top going to 10, so it made it easy for us coming in. So. game with the gloves and also with the bat at the end there but dead said you'll see them like a beach yeah look it's always good to get a few away but to be honest i thought the last one went straight off so i thought i blew it but happy to get the boys over how's it you've, you've obviously taken a big risk with your career it's now paid off you've won your yeah how good beauty you beauty <laughs> <laughs> well boys congratulations we'll let you get on the celebration because they're about to start the presentation and you could hear the people in the background and pl of that interview and there were pl there was plenty of noise going through and even made some of the interviews a little bit challenging today, Mirzi. And what did the fans bring to the Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup? Well, I mentioned it in the wrap-up in the in the broadcast on Sunday and going out after my stint and listening to the last five overs of the Sydney Uni innings and just the duelling fans. I'd say Jake Wilson copped it a bit with his 19th over from both fans. His Sutherland fans were 
cheering him up. The we'll Sydney, sign, we'll sign, we'll the, sign. the Sydney fans were doing pretty much the same we'll chant, but putting him sign. down. But it was great to hear. It's not a lot of opportunities. It's a lot of time when you can play at a big stadium like this, and you're basically the whole fan group. You are heard out there. The players love it though as well. They love to be able to hear their teammates. They love their teammates supporting them, and it was just it was great to hear. It gave me a chuckle listening to the the warring fans, and I'd love to see more of it. Nick Larkin shared your sentiments about the positive nature of the fans and he commented on that when I caught up with him as well. Yeah, heaps. You know, most uh, most games we play are at empty suburban grounds, so to be at the SCG and for there to be some noise with the um, you know the, the fans of each club that have come along, it's fantastic, yeah. Nick Larkin, a big fan of the fans here at the Sydney Cricket Ground today, but Mearsy, we've already hit time. That, that went so quickly and it's been a great day for cricket. Obviously, you're slightly more appreciative of it than I am, but it's been great to be able to help out with the podcast and give something back to the people and the fans and the players who follow the game at the grassroots. Well, you've joined us, obviously, for a lot of our big grand final days for rugby league, but it just shows with cricket, my sport, that we can do it just as well, if not a little bit better than New South Wales Rugby League grand final day. But it's a huge day. It's been great to be able to have splinters as well to give a wrap of the day, hear from some of the players, be able to wrap up, have some highlights as well. It's going to be a podcast episode that won't be missed because just to have the record of the day is going to be huge. And I must say that the day was much better catered than what New South Wales Rugby League (laughs) grand final day was for the fans even if there are, there were slightly fewer fans here today. But Mirzi, pleasure having you on the special edition of the Splinters Bench Podcast from Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Grand Final Day. My thanks also go to the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Shane Evans stepped in, the man of many hats, Manly's favourite son. He stepped in as well. So it was a cast of thousands today. And to them, I say thank you. And Mirzi, got to do it again. Mate, we need, we need the next big event. Bring it on. And my thanks also to Tony Dawson for his support to run today and organising today and Tony it's time to wrap it up no no Keith thank you for all of the ferreting bullocking work that you did in putting this very special edition of Splinters together that looked back at Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Grand Final Day 2018-19 and well done to the Sharkies of Sutherland taking out their first ever Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup Grand Final by five wickets over the Sydney University. Well, led by Steve Smith too, and uh, you will see him back in the baggy green in the not-too-distant future. I think the powers of Bear County, the days until he's back available in that Australian top order. My thanks to all of you, patient listeners and proud supporters of grassroots sport, for tuning in to Splitters on Triple H 100.1 FM and at www.triplehfm.com.au and at podcasts.com. Don't forget, your Christmas night is our next edition, next Tuesday night. You want to recover from your food coma in a different sort of way? Well, tune in next Tuesday night when the Lord Mayor of Leichhardt and myself are going to rip and tear into the duds, losers, disappointments and bums of 2018, not necessarily in that order. That batting order will change. Look after yourself over the Christmas period beforehand. We look forward to tuning in then. And, of course, the bench on Friday nights continues all the way through the Christmas New Year period. The great sport doesn't stop and neither will we. But for now, from this very special Kingsgrove Sports Centre T20 Cup review edition of Splitters, it's goodbye. It's going to be Hayden Kerr to t- face the left armer. Jake Wilson to start the grand final. Welcome aboard, everyone. Here's Wilson. Left arm over the wicket. Bowls to Kerr. And Kerr squirts this out towards backward of point. Wilson bowls to Hayden Kerr, who drives on the up. 
over Steve Smith at long off, at mid off and down on the fence for four in front of the MA Noble stand. First runners of the grand final. A boundary off the bat to Hayden Kerr. Very talented young opening batsman, this kid. It's done for five on the Magpies Waitara scoreboard. That was just a check drive on the up over mid off. Pinson now here to Robinson. What can he produce off this one? This one's up in the block hole. Big appeal and he's gone. He can't repeat the heroics from it that he did against Penrith. Pinson's followed up the short ball with the, with the full Yorker. It's hit him square in front of middle and that was an easy one for the umpire. Pinson, 2.2 overs, 1 for 6. Here he comes to the new batsman coming. Oh, he's got, got him. him! He's got him! He's on a ball! He can't believe it, Cummins. He's standing at the crease, but he's nicked it behind. Barriol takes the catch, and they're in all sorts of trouble now. The students, 4 for 52. The two gullies are back in position. Second last ball, bowls to Joy. Makes Ooh. good connection that time. That's straight out. to Austin War, and Austin War oh. doesn't drop that. Oh, second effort. It's second effort eventually, and there was a bubble. He was off balance as the first uh, attempt came in. He completed the catch, and in the end, Sydney University don't bat out their 20 overs, but just about do so. They are bowled out off 19.5 overs. They yeah. leave one ball uh, behind in the locker, and they are bowled out for 122. We know SCG under lights can play its own little tricks. Two slips in. Here's the first ball. Kershaw to Sarukas, and he's beaten outside the off stump with one. That hooped away nicely outside the off stump with the new ball, and maybe there is a twist, Stu, as you mentioned, in the tail yet, particularly if the new ball can move around like that. As has been the case for the last four nights in Sydney. Kershaw bowls. Oh. Pulled away by Viviano. Man yep. at Malone can't cut it off a deep backwards square. And it races out to the long boundary on the eastern side of the ground in front of the O'Reilly stand for four. Stephen Smith has arrived. Is it come of the hour, come of the man? Here's Joy with a slip in operation. Bowls to Smith. And Smith, Ooh. that's in the air! This should be out! He's out caught! First ball! Stephen Smith is out! He's umpire's gonna check! Whether no. it's uh, not out has been given by umpire Penman at the... No, by Ryan Nelson at the non-striker's end. That one again reared from a masterly from a length and popped up in the air. Diving forward, taking the catch. Liam Robertson, the skipper from Slip, watching it on the replay. Jeez, that seemed to have come off the shoulder, maybe. The, the supporters, the Sydney, the Sydney University supporters are livid that that's been given not out by umpire Ryan Nelson. Oh, oh that's Great off call. the off the, uh, the humerus or the elbow. I'm I'm holding on to the I'm holding on to the <laughs> onto the uh, onto the cans here. He is standing behind me. Three balls. I'm waiting for him to rip them off my head. <laughs> As Lay continues here from the Paddington end, Barrio one run to win for the Sharks, and oh. it's up in the air. Oh, it's it's going to be safe behind the behind the keeper's head. They've completed the one. It's gone for four. Sharks have won. Sharks have won the Kingsgrove T20 Cup final. What a performance.